Good afternoon and welcome to the 330 Sports Show. This show is going to actually come to you on Wednesday. Normally we do Tuesdays and Thursdays, but uh, thanks for uh, waiting with us uh, for Wednesday. Anyways, uh, a rough weekend if you're like me and you're a Cleveland Browns fan, an Ohio State Buckeye fan, you're rolling into Thanksgiving weekend, you're all excited. You know, the Browns 7-3, and Ohio State 11-0, Browns, you know, two teams we really don't like in the Denver Broncos, you know, the whole John Elway history and obviously uh, Michigan uh, and and all that goes on with them uh, in the rivalry. And and unfortunately, you go in looking looking like the top picture and you come out looking like the, the bottom picture there. Uh, and if you're watching or listening on podcasts, uh, basically, it's uh, John Travolta and uh, Sandy from Greece on the top, and uh, it's uh, Pulp Fiction uh, uh, on the bottom there. So an unfortunate weekend, uh, tough weekend for um, Buckeyes and Browns fans. Uh, Youngstown State pulled through for us, and we will get to them and share some of that positive uh, towards the end of the show. But uh, we're going to focus on three main topics here today. The Cleveland Browns, we're going to start off with, uh, and then we will get into the Ohio State Buckeyes, and then the Youngstown State Penguins. Uh, Before we do that, uh, let's have a quick word from our sponsors. Mighty Mike Heating and Cooling is affordable, professional, and there when you need us 24-7. Stay warm this winter by calling your hometown hero today. Mighty Mike Heating and Cooling, 330-207-7070. This program proudly supported and brought to you by Eric Cromer, Cross Country Mortgage, a wiser way to mortgage. This program proudly supported and brought to you by the Youngstown Drip IV Bar, helping the Mahoning Valley reach its wellness goal. This program proudly supported and brought to you by Youngstown Computer, the Valley's IT company. All right, so um, let's get into We're going to start here with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, and obviously, coming into this game, we knew the Browns were banged up. No Deshaun Watson out for the season. No Nick Chubb out for the season. Uh, no Jack Conklin out for the season. Denzel Ward uh, out for this game, banged up. So if you came into this, uh, into this season and said, who are your most important players? you would probably lead with Deshaun Watson, Nick Chubb, uh, Denzel Ward, maybe, you know, you obviously Miles Garrett, who was banged up in this game, Amari Cooper. So those are some of your most impactful players, and most of them right now are out. So you can see where this Browns team is going to struggle without, uh, you know, its main players and others having to step up. Yes, it's a deep roster. They're still seven and four, but uh, you can only lose so many guys before uh, you know you start showing uh, some kinks. And so I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time analyzing the Broncos game. It was a 29 to 12 loss. However, uh, you know the Browns for the third time this season at Seattle, at Baltimore, and now at Denver get down 14 nothing in a game early on, on the road. They just have some road troubles. Maybe it is the young quarterbacks. I don't know what it is, but uh, 
they fought back again. And DTR actually played very, very well, I thought, in this game once he settled in especially. Didn't make the mistakes, played smooth, efficient uh, football, uh, and unfortunately got got knocked out of this game, uh, went into concussion protocol. So that really changed the whole course of this game. Um, and, you know, it was 14-12 at that point and actually should have been 14-14. They dropped a two-point conversion. But, uh, you know, from then it just spiraled out of control and uh, ended up being that 29-12 to final. But you take a look here, you look at the AFC North, Ravens nine and three. They have a very difficult schedule the rest of the way. Uh, you have uh, Pittsburgh, but they do have a two-game lead or at least a one and a half game lead. Pittsburgh seven and four. They get the win last week over Joe Burrow less Cincinnati Bengals. They will host the Arizona Cardinals this week. The Browns, obviously, we talked about that. They fell to the Broncos. They are in LA for this whole week, and uh, they will play the Rams on Sunday. And what should be a 50-50, if not more, in favor of the Browns fans in L.A. Uh, out there. And then you got the Bengals at 5-6, and six, you know, just kind of falling apart at the seams. But when you lose your starting star quarterback, what are you going to do? Uh, but, you know, they drop that game 16-10 to 10 to the Steelers. Next up, they play another division leader, uh, another tough team with the Jacksonville Jaguars on Monday night. Here's a look at the AFC standings as it um, is through 12 weeks now. And you got the Ravens, Jags, Chiefs, and Dolphins sitting at the top. And then uh, I'll show you here what the wild card picture looks like uh, in a minute. But, you know, outside of the Patriots, there's not a whole lot of bad teams in the AFC. Uh, there's, there's a lot of middling teams, but there's a lot of really good teams. But if the playoffs were to start today, this is what it would look like. Baltimore would be your one seed, and they would have the first round by KC two, Jacksonville three, Miami four, and then you got Pittsburgh and Cleveland five six, and then the Colts uh, at six and five in the seventh seed. Uh, you also have outside looking in currently with tiebreakers and whatnot. Um, but remember, there's a lot of games left to be played. Uh, you have the Texans at six and five. The Broncos, who have now won five in a row after starting one and five at six and five. You have the Bills at six and six. The Bengals and Raiders still not out of it, but not looking good at five and six and five and seven, respectively. I'm crossing off the Chargers. I'm crossing off the Jets uh, because I just don't think they're very good. Uh, the Chargers are probably the most talented team in the NFL uh, in the sense of having that sort of record for what they're getting uh, producing on the field. So I could see uh, a head coaching change made there very, very soon. The Jets, without Aaron Rodgers, we knew we were going to struggle. They're offensively um, inept. Uh, they got a couple nice weapons there with like Brees Hall and obviously Garrett Wilson, but, but not doing much besides that. Patriots stink. And uh, the Titans, the Titans got a lot of fight in them, but they're just not a very good team. So I'm crossing them off. But, uh, you know, you basically have 10, let's call it 10 teams at 500 or better for seven spots. Uh, and so it's going to be tough to make the playoffs. Uh, but, you know, you got to fight. And I think 10 wins is what it's going to take to get there. Now, I will post 
this out on social media week to week. Uh, but this is the updated records and updated schedules of those 10 teams at 500 or better in the AFC. So you can see the division leaders, the top four, the Browns and the Steelers both have seven wins and then four teams there with six wins. And there's going to be a lot of teams that play each other, you know, so there's going to be a winner and a loser each week. So, you know, you start playing the the schedule game and who's going to win this, who's going to win that. So for our intents and purposes, let's just look at the Browns and the Steelers. Uh, the Steelers have one of the easiest schedules remaining in the NFL. They got the Cardinals at home. They got the Patriots at home. They go to Indy. That's that could be a, a tough game. They got Joe Burrow less Bengals again. They go to Seattle, which is no easy uh, feat, and um, at Baltimore, which we'll see what the division looks like by then. The Browns at the Rams this week, home for the Jaguars. Uh, back home. So those might be the two toughest games left on their schedule. Then you look home again uh, uh, with the Bears at Houston Christmas Eve. That's a that's a tough one, especially if C.J. Stroud keeps playing as good as he is. Uh, then you got the Jets at home and then at the Bengals. So you could argue the two easiest games you have left on the schedule are your last two, you know, mix in Chicago there. So you got to get three wins. So I look at it as the Bears, the Jets, and the Bengals are probably your most likely wins, and you got to find three wins. So let's say they go two and one in those games. You got to go one and two against the Rams, Jaguars, and Texans. So looking at the schedule at the beginning of the year, you were like, oh, the, you know, we're easily going to go two and one in that stretch, but it doesn't look that easy now. Uh, looks a little bit more daunting with the injuries. So. Again, 10 teams, seven spots. We'll see uh, how this goes, but that's a look at it as it stands. Here are my top five and bottom five teams, stock up, stock down for NFL. Uh, you have the Eagles sitting there at number one. They're the only 10-win team in the NFL, 10-1. and one. They've been sneaking by, but they've been getting the job done. 10-1. Uh, and one. I got the Chiefs at number two. I have the Ravens at number three the 49ers at four, and the Jaguars currently at five. You know, there's a whole bunch of teams you could probably say, you know, three, four, five, you know, whatever. But uh, that's the order I went with for this week. It's very fluid. It changes week to week, especially these bottom five teams uh, who the Denver Broncos were in this for a long time. And now all of a sudden they're practically a playoff team. So the bottom five teams, worst team in the league right now has to be the Carolina Panthers. They fire... Frank Reich, he is out. Um, the New England Patriots are right on their heels. They're very, very, very bad team. The Giants, who just beat the Patriots, stay there at number 30. Uh, the Cardinals, who look better with Kyler Murray, but uh, they're still not a very good roster. And then the Chicago Bears, who got the win last night at Minnesota. Uh, it, one of the, um, I think I saw a stat, it was like, uh, out of 29 games this year where a team has not scored a touchdown, that is the first win out of those 29 games where the Bears got that over the Vikings last night on Monday Night Football. Real quick, check in with the NFC through 12 weeks. Eagles leading the East. Uh, the Lions leading the North. The NFC South is just a mess, but uh, you got two teams at 5-6 and six there with the Falcons and the Saints, but the Falcons... Uh, have the advantage there. And then the 49ers at eight and three sitting on top of 
the NFC West. Last week, week 12 in the NFL, favorites went 13 and 3. That's that's pretty uh pretty awesome, pretty unbelievable and that's uh one of the highest um highest, you know, chalk weeks uh of the year, uh if not of the year. So 13 and 3 for the favorites last week. I went 10 and 6, Joe goes 9 and 7. Uh, I pull up to a five game lead on him currently as it stands right now, about 64%. So those uh, we will have our picks for you on Thursday. But if you're betting with us, hey, I mean, you're doing you're doing all right. Now, let's get into uh, some scary stuff here. <laughs> uh, at the beginning of the year, you're thinking, all right, Deshaun Watson is your quarterback. Josh Dobbs is your backup. You know, maybe DTR will be your third string quarterback or practice squad guy, whatever it might be. That's not the case anymore. You know, Deshaun Watson injured early in the year. You bring in P.J. Walker. DTR becomes your backup. Uh, you know, then, you know, DTR gets injured. Like, what's going on? Deshaun Watson out for the year. All this craziness has happened. You bring in Joe Flacco now. So um, these are the numbers for the quarterbacks. There's no – I'm not going to go through each and every one of them. But let's just face it. No one was playing all that great. Um, but we'll see. I don't know what is going to happen this weekend. Again, I'm recording this Tuesday evening for Wednesday. So maybe by then we'll know Flacco is the uh, the starter. I believe today is an off day for the players. And they are, like I said, out in Los Angeles. But uh, we'll see. It's a, it's a tricky situation here for the Browns coming up. But uh, if DTR is ready to go. I think it would be great if he could practice and get out there and play. Uh, you know, I believe they're practicing at UCLA, which is uh, his home school. But if he can't go, I think you got to go Joe Flacco. I've, I've seen enough PJ Walker. You know, thank you, PJ Walker, for helping us win the Colts game, for helping us win the 49ers game. But uh, I, I've seen enough PJ Walker to last me a lifetime. So um, if, 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 uh, DTR is not ready. I'm okay with PJ Walker being the backup to Flacco, but um, if he's good to go, I, I think DTR is your starter, Flacco is your backup, and then you might cut Walker. I don't know what it is, but uh, but we'll see heading into these these uh, next couple days what uh, comes up with and what Stefanski says with the quarterback. So taking a look here at the schedule, the Browns, as I mentioned, 7-4 and four in the season. Through 11 games, the Browns are scoring 21.7 points a game and giving up about 19 points a game. So still a 2.7 uh, in, in favor of the Browns uh, point differential. However, minus 7 turnover differential. The Browns are just giving it away way too much. 23 giveaways, 16 takeaways. Uh, and as of this recording, the Rams are currently a three and a half point favorite with a 39 and a half point total on this game. So that's a look at the Cleveland Browns for uh, this early portion of the week. We'll, we'll give you some numbers with the Rams uh, and how they match up with the Browns on Thursday. And we'll give you some of our NFL uh, picks. Uh, we are now going to uh, transition here into the Ohio State Buckeyes and talk about uh, the unfortunate game up in Ann Arbor. So we'll be right back with that. 
So, you know, we gotta address, gotta address it. Uh, we gotta talk about the excruciating loss uh, Ohio State had to the Michigan Wolverines. Back to back years, both teams are eleven and zero, and both years Michigan gets it done over uh, the Buckeyes. So let me give you a few points of emphasis that I took away from this game. Um, but, you know, the final score was 30 to 24. You you are playing the number three team in the nation in their home stadium, number one defense in the country. Um, you know, you can make excuses, but, but we're not. Yeah. You know, Ohio state lost the game. Um, Ohio state outgained Michigan, Ohio state for portions of this game was the better team. However, Michigan didn't make those costly mistakes that uh, that could that did cost Ohio State the game. So um, let's start with the basics: the run game. Uh, you know, Ohio State had you know ran the ball okay, not great, um, but one drive in particular, they just ran it right at Michigan in every play: four yards, six yards, eight yards, whatever it was. They just kept moving the chains, and uh, and I they they got away from it. They didn't they didn't go to it as much. Um, but the team that wins the rushing uh, yardage in this game, I believe, for the last twenty two years, has won the game. So, you know, you can tell this is a game in the trenches, and um, Ohio State is good at it as it is has has not won that battle the last three years. Costly mistakes. Now, Kyle McCord, that first interception was just was just bad. You know, uh, both teams, I, I believe both teams went uh, three and out. Uh, and there was four punts to start. Ohio State on its third possession. McCord throws an interception, and it is returned to the seven-yard line where Michigan then scores the touchdown, giving them a seven nothing lead. I know it was early, but to me, that was the most important play of the game because you lose confidence. You're playing from behind. Uh, you give that stadium energy, noise, whatever it might be. And, and, and eventually, you know, that that's the difference in the game. You know, you take away those seven points, it's a 24, 23 game, you know, and I know it's not as simple as that, but uh, you know, maybe it is, who knows? Uh, another, turning point in this game. Another huge pivot point was the Denzel Burke. I guess, depending on what side of the fan base you're on, if you're a Buckeye, you might've thought it was an interception. If you're a Wolverine, you think it's definitely a touchdown. If you're uh, neutral, maybe it's 50, 50 split. I don't know, but I keep going back to that play and thinking in my head, if that ball anywhere else on the field besides the end zone that is a touchdown or i'm sorry that is an interception not a touchdown um because the ball was being juggled and burke ended up coming up with it if that ball let's say was on the 15 yard line or 20 yard line and denzel burke comes up with it that's a inter- clear interception it's going the other way the fact that it happened in the end zone uh changed the the play and it sucks. It sucks. Um, it was a great pass, whether McCarthy um, made it 
that way or not, you know, whether he saw the safety or not, he, he threaded it in between two Ohio State defenders. Roman Wilson comes up with it, and I think Burke stripped it. Um, but, again, you know, depending on what side of the, the rivalry you sit upon um, will probably depend on your uh, perspective of, of how you view that play. Um, the fourth point I'm going to point out here is Michigan – uh, and their seven-minute drive on that field goal drive to nearly end the game. Um, so Michigan gets the ball with eight minutes and five seconds left, uh, up 27-24. They proceed to not give the ball back until 105. Ohio State does hold them to a field goal, uh, which makes it 30-24, to which ultimately is the final score. But, um, you know, if the, if the Buckeyes get the ball back with two minutes left, maybe they're not scrambling as much. And, you know, they ended up getting down to like the 35-yard line with about 40 seconds to go. And um, I think just, you know, a little bit too much pressure uh, on McCord and that forced that last interception. But, you know, got to give Michigan credit. They converted those third downs and, um, and you know, just kept pushing away and moving the chains. and. And they ate seven minutes off the clock, took it down from 8.05, and they actually kicked the ball off with 1.05 on the clock. And um, after the return, Ohio State had one minute left on the clock. And they completed a 22-yard pass and another 22-yard pass, and they're in Michigan territory. And, uh, you know, just weren't able to uh, get the job done. Uh, so, in all, Michigan wins the game here. Three-game losing streak for the Buckeyes. This is uh, Michigan's first three-game winning streak since 1995 to 1997. Um, unfortunate, sad, heartbreaking. Um, you, you can see the quote right there on the screen. Hard to describe, just sick. The fact that we came up short in the game, he worked the whole year for it, and we came up short. And and you you, you know he Ryan Day um, was sick literally like feeling it and the, the locker room was devastated um you could see it in their faces you could hear it in their voices don't act like this game doesn't mean something to ryan day you know like i'm sick of hearing that oh he's from new hampshire bullshit he's from he, he's lived in ohio now for what seven eight years um he's raised his kids here uh he's coached he's been the head coach in this game for four four games He's one and three in that. Uh, he, but before that, he was the OC. Don't tell me this game doesn't mean a lot to him. You know, he lives it every day, every day as the head coach. So um, I don't want to hear that narrative. And I think it's okay to put Ryan Day on the hot seat, but anyone that's calling for his job right now, I think is, I think that's asinine. I think it's ridiculous. 56 and 7. Yeah, I know there's some bad teams in there. Yeah, I know there's a lot of bad Big Ten teams and whatnot, but he wins. He's 1 and 3 against Michigan. I get that. I get that. But Michigan is also, um, has also rose up to the top of the rankings uh, as Ohio State has, and it's just coincided with. Uh, Good Michigan teams, good Ohio State teams, and uh, Michigan's got it done the last three years. Now, if he loses next year, I'm I say go for it, go ahead and fire him. But 
you got to give him another year and he's going to figure it out. He's a good coach. He's a great offensive planner. And frankly, Ohio State players need to step up too. He is a great recruiter, brings in one of the best recruiting classes in the nation almost every year. And, you know, that might be another excuse where people say, well, that's another reason to fire him because he's not coaching up the talent. Okay, that's fine. But let this play out a little bit more. And and I will be right with those Ryan Day haters if he doesn't get the job done next year. Now, it's just very upsetting to hear people coming at this guy from all angles with, you know, <laughs> with their pitchforks and and whatnot. But uh, this guy's going to get the job done, in my opinion. And, you know, we can agree to disagree on that. I know, I know there's a, a large portion of this fan base that's, that is not uh, big Ryan Day fans, especially right now. But he, uh, in my opinion is one of the top five coaches in all of college football. So if you disagree with me and you want Ryan Day fired, I want to know this. I want to know who do you want to replace him? Um, some people are probably going to say Mike Vrabel. Some, I've heard some people say Brian Hartline. Brian Hartline's not, never even been an offensive coordinator. He has that title. He's not the play caller, though. So I want to know who you want to replace Ryan Day. College? Being a college head coach to me is probably harder than being an NFL coach right now. You got to deal with NIL. You got to deal with the transfer portal. You got to deal with uh, recruiting 24 7. So that leaves the question of what happens next year. And this is for the offseason, but I'm just going to give you a couple bullet points of what the changes I think need to be made. So I don't necessarily think you have to change the quarterback, but Kyle McCord just probably isn't the guy. Uh, you know, I understand you're going CJ Stroud, you're going, you know, Justin Fields, you're going Dwayne Haskins uh, before him. So your expectations and the bar is set very, very high for an Ohio State quarterback. Um, backing him up, you got Devin Brown. Uh, almost a five-star guy. You got Lincoln Keenholz, who is a freak athletically, but just a true freshman this year. You have Aaron um, Air Noland coming in as a true freshman next year, but one of the highest-rated quarterbacks in all of the country. And then you obviously got the transfer portal, so maybe a guy becomes available that is a plug-and-play one-year guy, and then you get Air Noland ready. Uh, for, for that, you get Lincoln Keenholz ready to be the backup, whatever it might be. I don't know. But uh, I don't know if Kyle McCord is the guy. I, I, it's, I just have a lot of questions about him. So I'll just leave that up. Um, obviously, the fan base is not happy with Parker Fleming. He um, takes a full staff role. Uh, you only get 10 coaches in college football. And Ohio State dedicates one to special teams, and that's Parker Fleming. Special teams was anything but special this year. Uh, so, you know, on an 11-0 team heading into that game where both teams are very evenly matched, you know, it could come down to special teams. And 
a missed field goal, a, you know, bad punting in that game, a couple other mistakes here and there um, could be the difference. And if you can, you know, break those special teams rolls off to other coordinators and each guy, you know, chips in a little bit there and you can add a James Laurinaitis uh, as your full-time guy where he can go then uh, recruit on the road for you. I think that's more value added. And obviously the elephant in the room too, a lot of talent is headed to the room. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of talent is headed out of the room to play uh, Sundays next year. You know, Marvin Harrison Jr. And then that's just the top of the iceberg. There's there's a whole bunch of other guys that are going to be gone next year. And, uh, you know, we're going to have to replace them. But at a place like Ohio State, no one's going to shed any tears for you. It is uh, reload. Not, you know, it's it's like there's new guys coming in and maybe that's a good thing. Maybe a little bit of new blood is good, uh, you know, to change the course of this rivalry. Um, but I think the quarterback position, the offensive line and the linebacking position are the three areas uh, of need to address mainly for Ohio State. So um, those that's just again, that's my opinion for the three uh, major needs. Uh, we'll see what uh, the staff decides there. And you got to beat the team up north next year. That It's like now, now you know, okay, one time was a fluke, two times is a trend, three times is, is a problem. Uh, you know, so let's, let's stop that trend. The game is in Columbus next year. Both teams are probably going to be good, but Michigan could be in a lot of trouble. Uh, in this offseason with that cheating scandal and whatnot. So we'll see what comes of that. But uh, you got to beat them next year. That's that's first and foremost the number one goal, you know, and obviously it's the last game of the season, so you got to get your ducks in a row with your quarterback and your offensive line and your defense and all that stuff. So um, we'll see. There's a lot of time before that happens. Maybe – I'd say a very slight chance Ohio State backdoors their way into the playoffs, but uh, most likely looks like you're looking at possibly the Orange Bowl uh, to take on a team like Louisville or Florida State uh, in that game. So we shall see, but uh, that's what it's looking like right now for the Buckeyes. The Big Ten season has obviously come to an end. There's the Big Ten Championship this week, which will feature Michigan versus the Iowa Hawkeyes. Iowa has a really good defense, but maybe one of the worst offenses in college football. I have no idea how they are 10-2. and two. But you look at the Big Ten East, those are the three best teams in the conference, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. And then, you know, you can piece together who's the rest. And, and this is the last year, as we know it, where there's going to be divisions. Next year, Washington, Oregon. USC, UCLA, all coming into the Big Ten, divisionless football, which is going to be the best two, um, best two teams in the Big Ten will face each other in the Big Ten title game, and uh, obviously the twelve-team playoff, which I think will be good for everyone because your season doesn't come down to one game. Your season, you know, the rivalry is huge. I get it. It 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 should be the First and foremost, number one game on your schedule every single year. But there's a lot more to play for, uh, you know, 
a lot of people would say, oh, I'd rather beat Michigan than, than go to the playoffs or win the national championship. I, I, I think we're in a different world now where, you know, yes, obviously you want to beat Michigan, but look at last year. You get to the playoffs, one play goes different against Georgia, your national champions uh, last year, you know, because you go in and you're going to beat TCU. So, again, there's going to be a lot of people that are probably – wholeheartedly disagreeing with me on a lot of this stuff, but uh, we'll, we'll see. But a snapshot of the Buckeye season here. Again, a lot of great performances on this schedule. Um, you know, looking back, the awesome win at Notre Dame, um, you know, the big win against Penn State. You go to Wisconsin and beat them, uh, and you just handle your business in most of the other games. Uh, and, you know, it's unfortunate. But uh, you know, it is it is what it is at this point. There's there's not much you can really say or do. But uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. We'll we'll see if he ends up in New York. Hopefully, like I said, if the Buckeyes backdoor their way into the playoffs, um, they will get another crack at uh, uh, having Marvin Harrison on the field. But don't count on it. Uh, I unfortunately think we've probably seen. Um, him play his last game as a Buckeye as he'll head to uh, the NFL, probably be a top two, three draft pick, and um, you know, just just be an elite receiver at the next level, uh, continuing that Ohio State legacy of excellent wide receivers. But <laughs> but you know, fingers crossed that we can see him play one more time, and you know, it's not impossible, but it's not likely either. Uh, but Hopefully we can still see him in New York, possibly for uh, being top three, top four in the Heisman Trophy. Um, this past season puts him number five overall. Uh, right behind last year's season, he was number four overall in uh, total uh, receiving yardages in a season. So back-to-back uh, -back years, only wide receiver in Ohio State history to do that. Um, so... What a great one. Uh, you know, we're so lucky to have watched a guy like this. But again, give me one more game with this guy to watch him play and uh, get the job done. All right. A look at uh, conference championship weekend in the ACC. You got Louisville and Florida State. You got Oklahoma State at, uh, facing Texas. You got Oregon and Washington in a huge game in the Pac-12. That is basically a de facto uh, win and in for the playoff loser is out. Uh, Iowa and Michigan and Alabama, Georgia. Conference USA, you got New Mexico State at Liberty. The MAC championship, you got Miami of Ohio and Toledo. In the Mountain West, you got Boise State at UNLV. In the uh, American, uh, you got SMU at Tulane. And in the Sun Belt, you got App State at Troy. Now, there's eight teams that I think are have a possibility to get in the playoff. Georgia's a lock. They're in. Michigan's a lock. They're in, regardless of what happens this weekend. Uh, if they lose, then that opens the door for a lot of chaos. But uh, Georgia is going to be, in my opinion, the SEC champ. They're in. If Alabama somehow beats them, they're going to be in. Uh, and if Michigan somehow loses to Iowa, I think they're still in. Iowa will not be in, but Michigan, I think, still would be in as maybe the four spot. Uh, the Pac-12 winner will be in. 
and uh, the loser will be out. If Florida State wins, they are in. If they lose, they're out. Um, simple as that, in my opinion. Now, Jordan Travis has been out for the season, their quarterback, which is a huge blow to that team. Uh, but, you know, they've gotten this far. You know, I think the committee uh, should give them the credit that they deserve if they're an undefeated conference champ. And then uh, Texas, they have one loss on the season. If they win and Florida State loses, I think Texas takes that that last spot. They are in. And at the bottom, what I put for Ohio State, they need Georgia to beat Alabama. They need Michigan to win. That's not so important. Um, they need Florida State to lose to Louisville, and they need Texas to lose to Oklahoma State. So a lot needs to happen for the Buckeyes, but that's a look to me at uh, what I think needs to happen this weekend for the Buckeyes to have a shot at the playoffs. Then you take a look at their resumes of these teams. Um, I mean, simply put, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of good and a lot of bad. Uh, Oregon has not. So I'm not going to get into all the nitty gritty with this. You know, it, it kind of will play itself out. But Oregon does not have a great strength of schedule. Um, Texas, Alabama. <laughs> Alabama's a frustrating team, too. They lose to Texas. Should have lost to a bad Auburn team. Um, they've had a couple games where they've looked really bad this year. I really don't think Alabama should be in the conversation. But if they beat Georgia, then they should be a lock. So we'll just put it that way. If Alabama wins, they should be in. If they lose, they're obviously out. Um, Texas, again, I played out the scenario for them. Oregon, I think... With a win, they are for sure in. Uh, and Ohio State's just got to hope for hope for the best here. They are uh, eleven and one, two and one versus the top twenty-five, two and one versus the top ten. Uh, best wins. Notre Dame was a top ten team when they beat them in South Bend. They beat Penn State at home, and uh, obviously the tough close loss to Michigan at Michigan. Um, their strength of record is fifth overall, and their strength of schedule is sixth overall in the country. All right, let's go to the Youngstown State Penguins. They get the big 40 to 7 win this weekend over Duquesne in Youngstown. Uh, I got to check my numbers, but I believe that was the 16th straight home win for the Youngstown State Penguins in uh, Stambaugh Stadium. So uh, awesome win for the Penguins. Uh, they knock off Duquesne, and um, I believe that's the sixth time in a row they beat Duquesne as well. So uh, they move on. Here is a look at the round of 16. And you got a lot of uh, Mahoning, Mahoning, I always say Mahoning, Missouri Valley Football Conference members in uh, still alive. So you got South Dakota State taking on Mercer. You got Youngstown State taking on Villanova uh, in Philadelphia, by the way. Albany is going to take on Richmond. Southern Illinois will take on Idaho. South Dakota will take on Sacramento State. North Dakota State will take on Montana State. Furman will take on Chattanooga. And uh, Delaware and Montana 
will take on each other this weekend to move to the Elite Eight of the uh, FCS football playoffs. So that is a look at the bracket. Let's talk about some of uh, YSU's top performers that uh, were recognized by the Missouri Valley Football Conference this year. Bryce Oliver, second team. This is wrong. He should be in the. He should be the first team All Conference wide receiver. Great season, most touchdown catches in a YSU career with 26. So congratulations to uh, Bryce Oliver on that accomplishment, and also second team Missouri Valley Conference. Although he should be first. Honorable mention: Mitch Davidson, the quarterback, uh, just set a um, passing record for the Penguins this past weekend. Uh, done a great job. Uh, quarterbacking this Penguins team and leading them back to the playoffs for the first time in seven seasons. Second team, Tyshawn King, running back. Great season, uh, newcomer of the week for, uh, I believe, three different weeks uh, this year in the Missouri Valley. Uh, Great season for Tyshawn and uh, a solid running back back there with him and Dre Rushton. RJ, Ryan Johnson. Uh, is honorable mention all conference as well. Uh, great job uh, at the guard position for the Penguins. You got Jason Williams out there. Uh, really, really good te- uh, conference. Um, a really, really good tackle. Excuse me. Second team all conference for Jason Williams. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, second team all conference, Dylan Waduk. Troy Jakubek. Uh, in one of the weaker positions for Youngstown State, uh, held it together back there, and one of the better secondary members, second-team all-conference, so congratulations to him. Alex Howard, honorable mention, all-conference team, uh, great linebacker for the Penguins, uh, did a nice job this season. Jake Benio, honorable mention, all-conference tight end for the Penguins. Another guy that you know maybe doesn't always show up in the stat column, but uh, is one of the best blockers, does a uh, phenomenal job uh, in both the passing and running games for the Penguins. And Sam Merriman, all-conference honorable mention as well. Congratulations to Sam and all the rest of the Penguins on their uh, accolades. Now, I know uh, YSU, Coach Phillips, all those guys I mentioned before would say, you know what, whatever, I'm not worried about... uh, that individual accolades, give me the team win, give me the team, uh, you know, just just give me the team victory. Uh, so you got a tough one coming up this week. You got Villanova. Uh, and the last time YSU played in Villanova, they beat them in 1999. So it's been a, a little while since they played them. But this uh, YSU team is uh, is – Locked and loaded, they're ready to go. They're a veteran team, and uh, we wish them all the best from uh, down here at the 330 Sports Show and Youngstown Studio. And finally, uh, this is something we're going to do weekly, just check in with the YSU men's and women's basketball team. We're going to look at their last three games and next three games to kind of finish it out. So just a real quick look. Uh, the men's team uh, has gone 2-1 and one over the last three games. Uh, knocking off Utah Tech and Lake Erie College at home, and then a close loss at the University of Dayton uh, this past weekend. So uh, coming up, they have uh, two conference games here. They will host Cleveland State. They will travel to Robert Morris, and then they will go 
uh, down to Athens and take on the Ohio Bobcats. Um, so those are their next three games. The women have had kind of a tough schedule, uh, but you know their last three games, three losses. You know the tough one at West Virginia that was a homecoming for four of the uh, YSU Lady Penguins. Uh, tough loss there, but uh, then they went out to Vegas and uh, lost two games to pretty good teams in pretty close games. Uh, lost to Rhode Island and then lost to Northern Arizona. I believe that Northern Arizona game was like 74-70, something like that. Um, but, you know, they come back home. They will uh, have a conference game here, Detroit Mercy, coming up uh, this next week. Then they will be at Robert Morris on December 3rd, and then they will host the Akron Zips in a 3-3-0 battle there um, on December 6th. So that is a look at uh, YSU Penguins basketball team. Uh, men and women, we wish them all the best the next coming week. Obviously, good luck to uh, the Youngstown State football team this coming week. At uh... And finally, to close out, uh, I wanted to put this hat out there. Uh, this hat is now in production, and it is uh, going to be available for purchase. Uh, if you would like to, uh, reach out to um, just drop us a, a message on social media and we can uh, give you all the details there of if you're interested in this hat. It's a new era hat, so it's a really well-made, one-size-fits-all hat, but uh, kind of a cool logo. The 330 is on there. And, you know, it has kind of a sports theme, but also can be a little bit generic, too, to whatever you want uh, your needs to be there. So um, if you're interested, uh, reach out to us and, and we'll go from there. So. Uh, appreciate you guys watching, listening, and we will got, we will talk to you guys short. Thank you for listening to this show on Youngstown Studio. This is original Youngstown content. Feel free to share our videos and tell your friends about us. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook. Thank you for your support.